Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. You are God, God, whoa. You are God, God, whoa. Sing. You are God, God, whoa. You are God, God, oh, you are God, sing it, church, God, oh, you are God, God, oh, lift your hands, church, oh, you are God, God, oh, you are God, God, oh, praise you, Lord. Lord of hosts, we welcome you into our midst. We thank you for coming before the creation of the earth. You were here. Before the foundations of the earth, you saw us. You saw our need, and you saw this world, and you saw this culture. And you called us to this moment. And we just say, you are God. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Life is still good. I don't know what you've heard, but you got to know this, that life is absolutely still good. What a wonderful home group meeting we had Wednesday night in my garage. And our home group leaders, Eric and Lisa, just led a wonderful, wonderful time and as often, we start our meetings with what are we praying about and what are we praising God about? And the list of praises just went on and on and on and on and on. And it was just a remarkable time to be together as a dozen or so people of God just praising God for what, he had, what he's been doing and thanking God. So many praises. I know I learned Friday morning at our early morning prayer meeting that the night before there were three home groups meeting on the church property, one under the awning and one under each of the tents out on the side property, meeting simultaneously. And I, I, just, I just get this wonderful sense of, of, of victory, don't you, to know that in spite of everything that we're facing, life is still good and God is still God is still moving among us, and God is still God here on this property. You sense his presence, don't you? One day this week I was working down here, and I was alone in the building, and I happened to be walking through the lobby, and I saw a car pull up and park outside, and I thought, it's not unusual to see a car out there every now and then. Sometimes people are shooting hoops or whatever. But it kind of said, I said, well, I better stand here in case they're coming to the door and I can find out what this person needs. And they didn't. In fact, they pulled up into another spot over under a tree where they sat in the shade. And I thought, well, I don't know. you know. And so I, I went back to my office and worked for an hour, an hour and a half. And then there was an errand that I needed to run. And so I got in my truck and I was pulling out and that car was still there. I was pulling behind it and the Lord said, go ask that person how they're doing. And I kept driving. 
Ah, uh, because I thought oh, that's probably just me, you know, wanting to be everybody's champion or whatever. I don't know what was going on in my. Oh, that's probably me. And I got to the exit and I started down the road, and the Lord said, "I told you to go ask that person how they're doing." And so I realized it isn't me. This is the Lord, and I did a U-turn, illegal U-turn. So sorry, I confess on Holt Road and. Because, you know, you don't wait for the next intersection when the Lord says, I told you to go back, right? And I went back and I pulled up to this car and this woman was sitting in the front seat and she had both of her front windows down and she was just kind of leaning back up against her seat. And I said, hi, are you doing okay? And she said, yeah, I'm doing fine. She said, I just love to come here because it's so refreshing. And then she said, is it okay if I'm here? And I said, it's absolutely okay if you're here. She said, well, someday I'd like to come to church here. And I said, well, any day we would love to have you come to church here. I said, my name's Tom, I'm the pastor here. And she said, hi, my name's Anna. God is still God at Grove City Vineyard, folks. God is still moving among us. And because God is still God, then life is still good. Last week I started a three-part series entitled Life is Still Good, and we talked about life is still good because no matter what's going on on the outside, God wants to give us life on the inside, yeah? Have you ever heard this one in the Bible? Greater is he that is. What's the preposition there? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is. Is Jesus Christ living inside of you, yes or no? If you have invited him in to be your savior, then he has taken residence. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. This is the essence of our, our lives as believers, Christ living inside of us. When we can live in and from that place, then as circumstances change around us, life is still good because life is inside. I want to continue the series today by talking about life is still good because God is still God. God is absolutely still God. One of the things that is threatening our present understanding of life or our valuation of the quality of our lives is the day-to-day -day uncertainty that we face. It, how many of you like me, you kind of feel like life is now a moving target, right? You take aim and you get ready to, and then they say, oh no, we're going to do it this way instead. And there's so much change around us, it creates this, this uneasy sense of uncertainty, well, that can detract, if we focus on uncertainty, then that can detract from our sense of the quality of our lives. So, upon what do we focus? Well, we focus on the reality that in all of the change, God is still God. We focus on that which is certain. We set our hearts decidedly on God. I want to show you something in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 19. 
it's pretty easy to find even if you're new to the Bible because it's the last book of the Bible. It's right before maps, okay? So Revelation chapter 19. This was one of the first books of the Bible I ever read as a new believer. Uh, well, I didn't have any guidance. Nobody was, and it certainly was interesting. <laughs> I had no guidance, and so, well, this looks interesting, and it is easy to find, and wow, look at all this crazy stuff that's going on here. Yikes. And I'll be honest with you, I still get a little nervous when I read it. It's, there's a lot happening. The context of what I'm about to read to you is in the first four words, after this I heard. And so you have to say, after what? Well, what did he hear that I'm about to read after something? Well, if you just flip back a few pages, you can see the stuff that's going on in the previous chapters. Chapter 12, the woman and the dragon. Chapter uh, 13, the beast out of the sea, the beast out of the earth. Uh, chapter 15, seven angels with seven plagues. This is not sounding good, is it? 16, seven bulls of God's wrath. 17, the woman on the beast, who is the great prostitute. And then 18, the fall of Babylon. That doesn't sound good, does it? None of that sounds like a good place to be. And then he said, after this, here's what I heard. Now what's important for you to realize before I read what's going on is that all of what I'm about to read was happening while all of that was going on. He said, after this, I heard. He didn't say, after this, heaven began. In Revelation chapter four, what we're about to read says that it happens day and night and day and night and day and night. So, so my point is, is that while, all, while the earth is in upheaval in such dramatic ways, what I'm about to read was happening in the background the whole time. After this, what I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. Who is the great prostitute? I certainly don't have the time to go through all of the symbolism in here, but if you just turn back to chapter 17, you'll see this great prostitute. Oh, verse 1, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come and I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This, was, uh, the, this title was written on her forehead, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. Those four titles, could there be a better description of contemporary American culture? Mystery. Oh, let's just chase off 
the mystery. We have absolute truth in front of us in the living word of God, and we say, oh, yes, but what about this grand mystery? Let's follow this. What about this? You're being so closed-minded. What about Babylon the Great? I wish I had time. The mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. This great prostitute is a symbol of, our, of culture and, the, and, and, the, and the, the weight of secular culture on the heart and mind of the bride of Christ. But anyway, at this point, it's her, it's her, she meets her demise, and again they shouted, verse 3, hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne. 24 elders. Who are these 24 elders? I think a couple of good explanations for it. One could, some say, well, it's, the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles who come together to represent the authority below God, of course, in heaven. The trouble with that is that if it were the 12, 12 apostles were included, John would have seen himself in the picture, which maybe he just did and didn't mention, and he didn't say, oh, and by the way, I was there. You know, I was, I was one of the 24. <laughs> Me and the 23 other guys, or you, didn't, you, know, you didn't go that way. But also in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, then uh, David, who is organizing all the people of Israel in, before the construction of the temple, as he's preparing the people for his son Solomon to follow him and build the temple, then he organizes all of Israel into 24 courts. Could be that. In any case, we have this repeated reference to these 24 elders, and what did they cry? Amen. What does that mean? Come on. True that. Thank you. Amen means true that, player, right? True that. That's what amen means. Yeah, yeah. When you say amen, you're saying, yeah, I agree. So be it. And they said, amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Now here's where you come in. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Go ahead. Hallelujah. For our... <laughs> you better get good at that. You better get practicing that. That's our line. Hallelujah for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Again. Again. Again louder. Okay, when I point to this side, you're going to start. When I point to this side, you're going to start. Ready? Go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go. Come on. Come on. That's a little sound of heaven right there. I wish you could have heard what I heard. <laughs> All the backdrop of everybody just praising God. Lord God Almighty reigns, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. 
This is what we're moving toward. My point is this. While all these terrible things were happening on the earth, God was still God behind it, and the people of God were still praising God behind it. How do you get through a time of uncertainty like this, like the one we're in? By praising God. By raising a hallelujah. Raising a hallelujah. Thank you, one. Raising a hallelujah. By raising a hallelujah. By raising a hallelujah. Raise it, raise it, raise it. It's kind of... The Baptists in the room are going, what is this, mayhem? This is a busy place. How do you get through a time of uncertainty? How can life be good when life isn't good? Life is still good if God is still your God. Life, your life is still good if God is still your God. If God is not still your God, if you felt yourself slipping in the decisive priority of God being God in your life, then I wouldn't be surprised if you're troubled by the state of your life. Your life is still good if your God is still God. In Genesis 1.1, it says there was mayhem over all the earth, but God. The Spirit of the Lord hovered over all the earth, it says, and God brought order out of the confusion. In John chapter 1, verse 1, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he's been there all along and still is there. We're looking, so many of us, in all the wrong places for solace and for solutions. Many are looking for the right news feed the news feed that will align with their mind. And you're not finding it, are you? Some are looking for the right science, writing the right statistics, trying to get a hold of how transmissible this coronavirus is. They're looking to science. Some are looking for the right vaccine. Well, that will fix things. If we can just... Now, is that story about the vaccines true or is this story about the vaccines true? And some people are looking for the right president to come and save us. God is our salvation. 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 And God is still God. Our hope is 
found only in God. God is still God. I want to show you a very complicated slide now of a very important picture. And it is the picture of a post-it note with the name of a man. The name, if you can see it there or not, is Ted Tun. Ted Tun was the father of Brian Tun. Brian and Tina and their family have been a part of our fellowship here for many years. And for many years, they have shared their faith with Dad at uh, remarkable resistance. So much resistance, it says, do not talk about that around me. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. As they continued to just reach out and look for opportunities, they were always met with the very same stiff resistance. Well, I don't remember when it was, but at some point we were talking about praying for people to come to Christ, and I put out post-its, post-it pie, and people wrote down the names of people that we put on the wall back there, and we just prayed for them to be saved. Well, Ted Tan was one of them. And that's the post-it note. Just a few weeks ago, Ted became sick. He became sick, and there had been a pastor who had been visiting him and explaining things to him. And then it came to the place where this pastor said, you, you really need to make a decision here. And Ted said, no. He said, I'm ready to make a decision, but I don't want to do it with you. I want to do it with my daughter-in-law, Tina, whom I have been resisting for all of their married life. And she came, they came, if you know Tina, she's, she's not shy about sharing the gospel. And she clearly shared the gospel message, and Ted gave his life to Jesus Christ, and four days later, he died. Four days. They couldn't wait to tell me, and they couldn't wait to tell me, remind me about that. Tina said, well, Dad... This has come because, partly because we have, we have, your name is on the wall at the church. And he said, really? And he said, I'd really like to see that. We live in another state, and Tina said, yes, of course, when you come up, you can see that. But he's seeing it now. God is still God. The important things are still happening. I want to invite you to come back tonight at 6 o'clock. To do what? To take 45 minutes with me outside. Bring your own chair. Take 45 minutes with me. And grab one of these 645 slips maybe two, maybe three, and pray for their salvation. You pray silently, you can pray loud, you can pray on, standing on your head gargling peanut butter for all I care, but if you'll come tonight at 6 o'clock, out under the tents, bring your own chair. If you want to sit, maybe you just want to walk around. 
we'll have these laid out, and you can just walk up and pick up one or two or five and just pray for them. Why? Because God is still God doing the important stuff, and that's important. Last thing I want to tell you about this passage is the word hallelujah, which at its core means praise God. Hallelujah, praise. Yah is short for Yahweh or Jehovah, depending on how it's pronounced, but how, translated. But it means praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And, it, and it's, it was said by the Hebrews in, in two ways. One was like, hey, pray, praise you, Lord, as an expression of praise to the Lord. And that's how we love to say it, right? Hallelujah. And I'm just, I'm just releasing praise to God. You are too. But there's also another very important way that it was said. And it was very stern in the way it was said as a command. As a command. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I believe that's the call of this passage on us today is in the midst of all that's going on to say in our hearts decisively that God is still God in spite of all the confusion and maybe even some of the, the, the talk in your own mind. Just focus in on the one, fix your eyes on Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah. Church, will you stand? Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah. Don't wait for the band. Get started. Don't wait for the band. Go ahead and get started. Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah, church. Don't wait for the band. They work for you.